It's time for Nordic on Tap. Welcome to our podcast featuring interviews, music, folk tales, and lots of hygge, all with a Nordic flavor. I'm your host, Eric Stavney. In this podcast, we'll explore folk tales in the Sami tradition, taken from three different sources. The Sami are the indigenous people of the far north of Norway, Sweden, and Finland, and to some degree northwest Russia, who occupy an area known as Sápmi. The subject of Sami history and culture is in fact a large one, and an important one to tell, but I'll dive into that in another podcast in order to do it better justice. Sami culture goes back at least two to three thousand years. The Sami of today speak a variety of Uralic languages, or dialects of a Uralic language, at least ten of them, some of which are in danger of dying out. Uralic languages include Finnish, Estonian, and Hungarian. Many Sami also, of course, speak Swedish, Finnish, Norwegian, or English, Now, traditionally, the Sami have had a variety of livelihoods, including river and coastal fishing, fur trapping, sheep herding, and they're probably best known for their semi-nomadic reindeer herding. And indeed, I confess that's about all I knew about them, even up through college. That's embarrassing. The kind of understanding I got from National Geographic magazine. These were reindeer herders, I was told, to call laps, and according to the pictures, they wandered across the tundra with their reindeer in these beautiful red, yellow, and blue, or sometimes black, gokti clothing. That was my very naive, unenlightened understanding of these people, until I learned to call them Sami, and referred to their home area as Sapmi. And while reindeer herding sounds romantic, and still exists, these days only about 10% of the Sami are connected to reindeer herding in some way. Now, I bring up the reindeer herding here because it figures prominently in many Sami folktales. As with other Nordic countries, and in fact most indigenous cultures, one of their great traditions is storytelling. Much of the storytelling among the reindeer herders takes place around a campfire in one of their tent communities called the Siida. Because the Sami lived in the extreme north, in the land of the midnight sun, they remained almost mythical and legendary in the reports by the few Europeans who visited them. Their folk tales were not written down because they had an oral tradition of maintaining them. Then the missionaries and the colonists began to arrive. Some folk tales, as they were in Norway, were recorded by these missionaries, by priests and pastors, and some of them were co-opted and turned into cautionary tales about the devil and the perils of straying off the Christian path. When Asbjornsen and Mua began collecting and publishing Norwegian folk tales in the mid-1800s, other collectors were inspired to do the same in other locations. We, in fact, have talked about collectors in Sweden and in Finland. Now, a Norwegian professor of Sami languages from the University of Oslo, one Jens Andreas Fries, published Lapiske Eventyr og Folkesong, or Sami Folktales and Legends. He collected these folktales in northern Norway, and this was perhaps the first published collection of Sami folktales. 
Then Norwegian Just Knut Kvigstad, who knew Fries well, followed with a four-volume set of over 600 folktales. Kvigstad was also an academic, although he was a cleric, politician, and even the mayor of Tromsø at one point. Now, Tromsø, as you may know, is in the far north of Norway, right in the middle of Sápmi. Kvigstad's books were enjoyed widely in Europe. Unfortunately, they were also entitled La Peske Eventir o Folkesalgen, the same name as Fries' single book, so there's some potential confusion there. What's unusual about Kvigstad's books is that the stories were printed in both Sami and Norwegian on facing pages. Both the Fries and Kvigstad books are in the public domain in their original Norwegian, from which I'll be reading my own translations of two folktales. Now, I've not yet found any English translations of these books. You can get both of these books at a certain online bookstore, or download a PDF for your own use at openfolklore, all one word, dot org, and from the Norwegian National Library, Norsk National Biblioteket, at nb.no. So it was really Kvigstad's books, which came out in the late 1920s, that became the definitive source of Sami stories. This first tale from the Fri'is collection is a kind of Sami story known as known as a Stalo story. Stalo is the villain in many Sami folk tales. Often they're cautionary tales and teaching stories about, well, how brutal others can be. Stalos are those folks who are human and half-troll or devil, according to Johan Turi. Others have called them ogres, but that's the position they hold in these stories. Stalos like to eat people and are quite strong, but fortunately also they're pretty stupid. In this tale, my own translation from Fries, I've changed the main character's name to Asko. Asko fools the Stalo. Asko once got lost and found himself captured at Stalo's farm. There was a stable there with horses, cows, and sheep. Now, Stalu always used to fatten up anyone he could get his hands on in order to eat them, so he now thought to do so with Asko too. But Asko thought up a clever trick to blind Stalu. He behaved as if he were extraordinarily far-sighted and pretended to see all sorts of wonderful things from a long distance. Say dare, Stalu! Stalu looked hard in the same direction, shading his face with his big hands, but he couldn't see anything. Listen, my boy, said Stalo. How did you become so far-sighted? Asko said, Well, I once had a drop of lead dripped in my eyes, and I could see a long distance. Aha, said Stalo. Drop a little melted lead in my eyes, too. I would like to be as far-sighted as you. Yes, said Asko. I should like to do that, but you probably can't stand it. It hurts a little bit, you see. Can't stand it, said Stalo. If you can, I can. So Osco set up to pour lead in the eyes of Stalo just as Stalo ordered. He had Stalo lie on his back, and then he first poured into one of his eyes. Stalo moaned, but still said, Boy, hurry up and pour quickly into the other eye, too. And so that's what Osco did. Now, said Osco, you'll be blind for a while until your eyes change, but after that time, you'll become really farsighted. However, Osco now had to take care of the farm since Stalo was now blind. 
he took a big ram from among Stalo's sheep and slaughtered it. Then he took Stalo's old dog and killed it. In the evening he boiled fat, mutton for himself in one pot, and in another pot he cooked the dog meat, and when it was finished he put the dog meat in a trough right in front of Stalo, while he himself sat down to eat of the fat mutton. Now Stalo could hear Osko smacking his lips and enjoying his meal, while he himself could hardly bite into the tough dog meat. Listen, my boy, said Stalo to Osko, how is it that you are making grunting and burping and I'm just chewing and chewing away here on this tough meat? Osko just burped again, uh, and thus Stalo had to be content with what he had. However, it did not take long before Stalo realized that he must have been tricked by Osko, as he wasn't becoming farsighted at all. He was blind and stayed blind. He then wondered how he could get his revenge on Osko. So, one day Stalo asked Osko to go into the sheep pen to count the sheep. I can do that, said Osko, and opened the pen. But though Stalo was blind, he managed to walk out to the sheep pen and stood in the gate opening. Ha ha, thought Stalo. Now I have you in the trap, and I won't let you go until I get my claws into you. But Osko did not allow himself to be so easily tricked. Now, you must let out all of my sheep, said Stalo, but one at a time, and my big ram you must let out at the very end. Yes, yes, said Osko, just as you say. He then let the sheep out, one by one, between the legs of Stalo, who was standing in the opening of the pen. But Osko had already slaughtered the big ram sheep, and he pulled the skin off it. When it was finally the big ram's turn, Osko put on the sheepskin and went on all fours between Stalo's legs. Aha, said Stalo, Saubuk, my splendid great Saubuk, and patted it on the back. Finally, Stalo said, Now come out yourself, my boy. But Osko shouted from the hills, I left a long time ago. And so he got away with all of Stalo's sheep. Now let's hear a tale from Kvikstad's larger collection. This is about a shaman and the mountain Sami. Shaman are the highly respected spiritual guides in the Sami tradition. They're the medicine men, if you will. And in this story, the shaman visits some stingy reindeer herders. But later, the shaman gets his own comeuppance. This is called Shaman Kolpa. It was collected in 1895. Kolpa Pol came from Finland and lived in Inari. One winter, Kolpa went out into the woods to cut timber. He heard a commotion in the forest, so he went over there on skis. There were women there working at tents, and uh, men were with the reindeer. Kolpa went to Kaya Ola's tent and asked, Do you have some meat to sell so much that I can cook soup? Kaya Hansdotter replied, I have nothing for myself, let alone others. Kolpa asked the other women about meat, but they all answered the same. Kolpa borrowed a plate and made a cake for himself over the fire. When the food was finished, everyone in the family ate dessert except Kolpa, who had to eat this dry cake he had made. They let him spend the night. The next day, Kolpa asked, Can I not buy some meat, so much so that I can cook soup once in the forest? I'm not asking for it for free. I want to buy it with money. 
Uh, we probably don't have any we can spare, everyone replied. Then Culpa went out and said, Goodbye now and many thanks for last night. But when I come next time, you probably will have meat to give me as much as I want. And so he went off into the forest on his skis. Now when Culpa left, some wolves came in droves and killed 40 of the fat reindeer and no one knew where they had come from. The next night, Culpa again went skiing over to the mountain Sami tents. The women saw him and they immediately asked, Why did you want to hurt us? For immediately after you left, the wolves came and killed our fat reindeer. I did not want anything. I just said that when I came next time, you'll have enough meat left over. So they entertained Culpa as best they could and made him a good place to sleep this time. In the morning, when he was about to leave, they gave him as much meat as he could carry. After that, all the mountain Sami called him Shaman Kolpa for the rest of his life. Now, one day, Kolpa Pol came to Storbukt and went into Hans's farm. Kolpa asked, Won't you sell me a lamb? We have no lamb to sell. Kolpa sought to buy the lamb as long as he was on the farm. Now, right after he left, the lamb fell sick and was dying and moaning there in the barn. When Hans's wife saw this, said to her daughter, Berit, take a knife and go to the barn and stab the lamb so that it will not be tormented. So Berit took a knife and went to the barn, grabbed the lamb, and wanted to stab it. But the lamb jumped up and the knife went into his foot. And yet, the lamb ran around in the barn as healthy as before. Barret went into the living room and told her mother, and the mother went to see and saw that the lamb was just as healthy as before. But not long after that, people said that Kolpapol appeared to have a lame foot, that he could barely walk. And for a little music relief, I have the Dwight Lamb Polka being played by Nick Erickson who is the head of the band Six Feet Back, which you might have guessed was formed back in March 2020 in order to still play music during the time of COVID. Here he's playing the polka on a diatonic button accordion next to a campfire, which is also next to a river. So you may hear those in the background.
Yeah, as I said, that's Nick Erickson on the Toreador uh, button accordion. He usually plays with Jared McFarland and with some other folks together as Six Feet Back. You can Google Six Feet Back, and there are several recordings on YouTube. Well worth your while. They're out of North Seattle, Muckleteo area of Washington. This is another story about Stalu. Uh, I have substituted the hero's name for a heroine, Hanne, because Fries has Askelad as the hero, and that really belongs to Osbjörnsen and Mu. A young girl named Hanne once got lost and found herself at Stalo's farm. Stalo captured her and kept her captive for a while in order to fatten her up. When it looked like she was fat enough, he sent her one fine day out into the woods to fetch a spit, or branch, on which to roast her. Hannah went, but when she suspected what the spit might be used for, she brought home with her from the forest some green crooked branches. Those won't work, said Stalo. Get a better spit. Hannah went back, returned again with some more crooked twigs. Aren't there any better branches in the forest? Stalo asked. No, says Hannah, I can't find anything better. Well, then I'll go myself. As Stalo was getting ready to go, Hannah asked, Agyam, agyam, mastodon en nemusat balak, or dear grandpa, what are you most afraid of? Shudagulest, the hissing fish, Stalo answered. What Stalo calls hissing fish are really snakes, of which he's very afraid. Now, while Stalo was in the woods to find a roasting spit, Hanna threw the green twigs on the fire. The green branches began to hiss and hiss as if it were a nest of snakes. When Stalo came home from the forest, Hanna said, Agyam, agyam, gula, shodaguella. Grandpa, grandpa, listen to the hissing fish. Stalo listened, and when he heard the hissing of the raw twigs of the fire, he was so startled that he thought the whole house was full of snakes. He immediately jumped up, grabbing his bag of silver in order to make a run for it. But at the same time, Hanna shouted, Grandfather, look, look, the snakes have bitten into your bag of silver. Stalo glanced at the bag and saw some threads of black yarn that Hanna had stuck to it. So he thought the snakes were crawling all over it. He dropped the bag in fear, ran to the door and shouted, I'm going to be jumping from hill to hill. Thus... Hanna saved her own life and became the owner of all of Stalo's silver possessions. Some 20 years before Kvikstad published his books, there was a Danish artist and aspiring ethnographer who also collected Sami stories. She definitely had read some of the Fries and Kvikstad folktales even before they were published widely. Her name was Amelia de Monthat, and her approach to collecting stories was entirely different. De Monthat spent several summers starting in 1907 living with Sami reindeer herders in northern Sweden. I perhaps don't have to tell you that women anthropologists, let alone scientists, were not very common then. De Monthat was able to get stories from, among others, Johan Turi, the great Sami storyteller, and actually helped him to get published in Danish, which now has been translated to English as An Account of the Sami, by Thomas Du Bois. But most notably, de Monthat collected a number of stories from women sitting around the campfire in the tent communities of the reindeer herders. Fries and Kvikstad had interviewed mostly men. 
So about 15 years went by. De Montat finally published a collection of Sami folk tales in 1922, which was translated recently by Barbara Schoholm called By the Fire, Sami Folk Tales and Legends. This book contains a folktale section, illustrated with de Monthot's charming woodcut prints. I told you she was an artist. But then it's followed by a section Scholholm has added, which is really a collection of de Monthot's field notes that are relative to the stories. And then uh, Scholholm finishes with a commentary that reconstructs where de Monthot had traveled, where she had collected the stories, and who did the storytelling. You rarely hear about the storytellers themselves. And Scholholm even included pictures of the storytellers. Some of those photos were taken by Emilia de Monthat. So, pull up a log next to my campfire. Imagine yourself outside with the stars above in the twilight of the summer night above the Arctic Circle. This is called the Sami lad who married a Halde girl and was given lucky reindeer along with her. The Halde were supernatural beings, somewhat, in fact, somewhat equivalent to the Huldre or Hulder in Norwegian tradition. A Seida of Sami reindeer herders, that's their tent community, had migrated with their reindeer to a new campsite, but not all the herd had followed. A young Sami lad was therefore sent back to retrieve them. He had no difficulty finding them. They were wandering around the campsite and turf hut the Saida had just left. But the lad grew tired and he went into the turf hut and lay down to sleep inside the muslin tent he brought with him to ward off mosquitoes. As he lay there, two Halda girls arrived and they teased and tormented him by scratching at his sleeping tent so that he couldn't get any rest. They took turns teasing him. When one stopped, she said to the other, now it's your turn, Ellie. The Sami lad didn't know what to do to get some peace, but finally he decided to take a sharp needle for sewing leather out of his needle case. With that, he stabbed Ellie in the hand, so the blood ran. When the girl broke into tears and said, Now I can't return to the Halda folk because I've seen my own blood. The other girl said, I'm leaving, and Ellie was left on her own. She stood outside the hut and cried. So the Sami lad came out and said that if she could behave properly, she should come inside the hut and be his wife. So she came in, they built the fire up and lay down to sleep. In the morning when they were getting ready to leave, the girl's brother arrived with a reindeer herd. The Halda girl's reindeer were to be separated out to form the girl's dowry, now that she was married. Ella said to her husband that he should keep his eye out for a certain large, handsome reindeer ox during the separation and not let the animal escape from him, however much her brother tried to hinder him because it was a lucky reindeer. The Sami lad did look out for and take the large, handsome reindeer ox, but the girl's brother grew very angry about it, for the animal was his best lucky reindeer. When they were finished with the reindeer separation and the girl had her dowry, her brother forbade her to ever return to the campsite where the Sami had encountered the girls. The Sami lad and his Halda wife then moved into the high mountains with their reindeer, and they became very rich. That was told to Amelia de Monthat by Ani Rasti of Karaswando. Barbara Scholholm, her last name spelled S-J-O-H-O-L-M, 
her 2019 translation of Amelia de Montfort's By the Fire, uh, Sami Folktales and Legends, can be gotten directly from the publisher. Amelia de Montfort, by the way, last name D-E-M-A-N-T space H-A-T-T. You can get this directly from the publisher, the University of Minnesota Press, or from a number of other online outlets, and sometimes even where Scandinavian items are sold, like the National Nordic Museum and Inga Bretsen's in Minneapolis. That wraps up our show on Sami folklore, and there's plenty of stories I hope to make for a future show about the Sami, as well as talk about their culture, their history, the challenges they faced and continue to face as the indigenous people in the North Nordic countries. Our original theme song was written and performed by Daryl Jackson at Daryl Jackson Music, all one word, dot com. We've switched it up a bit for this program and used instead the traditional Danish New March played by Morten Alfred Heyrup and Ruthie Dornfeld. You can catch our interview of Morten Alfred Heyrup in our podcast number one. His website is www.mortenalfred.com. And Ruthie Dornfeld has a website too, www.ruthiedornfeld.com, Ruthie, R-U-T-H-I-E, Dornfeld, D-O-R-N-F-E-L-D. Thanks for listening. Please drop us a line at nordicontap, all one word, at gmail.com. You can catch our other podcasts at nordicontap.podbean.com or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hey, we've now passed 1,000 downloads of our shows. Thank you, listeners. Please visit our Facebook page and say hello. Till nächste gang, till next time, I'm Eric Stavney. Viseas. We'll be seeing you. Both freeze now both freeze both free eases and quickstart quick get both free eases and quickstart's books are in the public domain. Aha said Stallo. Drop a little melted lead in my eyes too. I would like to be as far sighted as you. Um so much for the voice. Sami culture goes back at least two to three thousand years or more. <laughs> at least two thousand years or more? What is this? The Department of Redundancy Department? Hannes said, Agyam, Agyam, Gula, Shodagwella. Sami people, I am so sorry. I, I'm killing your language. They took turns, te- they took turns teasing him. They took, te- they, t- oh, brother, it's a tongue twister. They took turns teasing him. Thanks a lot, Barbara.